I'm Dwayne Lehman, and uh, I'm very glad to be worshiping with you today on, on Palm Sunday. It's a special day. It's a day when I get to wear my purple shirt. <laughs> Does anyone know why I would wear a purple shirt? Not because of, uh, of the Norwalk Warriors, although they're, they're great. What about Palm Sunday would make me wear a purple shirt? Purple is the color of royalty. And royalty is who Jesus is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Lord comes, the King comes on Palm Sunday. So the church color, the calendar year of the, of the church says purple for Palm Sunday. Well, I'm glad that the children also were able to participate. A, a line, I think, at least 27 across the front. And uh, that's very appropriate on Palm Sunday. Do you know why that's so appropriate? Because the children led the Palm Sunday parade. And the children were so excited about leading Jesus into Jerusalem that they kept shouting over and over again. Even when they got to the temple, they kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. You know who that irritated? That irritated the scribes and Pharisees. And and they told Jesus, tell those children to keep quiet. Jesus refused. He said, no, he said, I will not keep them quiet, for the scriptures say, from the lips of children, God has ordained praise. From the lips of children, God has ordained praise. So I want to thank the children of Crossroads for helping us in worship on Palm Sunday. And today on Palm Sunday, I'd like to ask this question of you. How many of you can look back in your history, your heritage books, and find something from a couple hundred years ago that points out and predicts when you would be born and what you would be named and where you would live and what you would do with your life and then how you would die. How many of you can point back to a prediction like that about your life? You can't, can you? And you might even say, well, only God could do that because only God knows everything. And if you're thinking that, you would be right. But maybe you know from the Christmas story that uh, in the book of Micah, it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Remember when the wise men came from the east and, and they were seeking Jesus and, uh, and they, they, they went to King, King Herod's palace and they said, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? And you know what Herod did? He called for the scribes and the teachers of the law and he asked them, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And they knew the answer because they knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecy in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. And so they told King Herod, he'll, he'll be born in Bethlehem. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And in Isaiah, it's prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. And in Jeremiah, it's prophesied that there would be great sorrow in Bethlehem because of his birth. And that's what happened. 
Herod came along seeking to kill Jesus, and in the process, he killed the babies in Bethlehem. And there was great sorrow in Bethlehem because of the birth of Jesus. And Psalm 41 tells us that he would be betrayed by a friend after sharing bread together. And that's exactly what happened. Judas shared bread at the Last Supper with Jesus, and then he went out to betray Jesus. And Psalm 50 says that he would be beaten, and he would be mocked, and he would be spit upon. That's what happened to Jesus at the trial. And Psalm 22 tells us that his hands and his feet would be pierced, and they were when he was nailed to the cross. But then it says, not a bone of his body would be broken. You know what happened because the Sabbath was coming and the thieves weren't dead yet on the cross? They, they broke their legs in order to hasten their death. But they came to Jesus and they looked at Jesus and they said, he's dead already. So they didn't break his bones. They just thrust a spear into his side and he was pierced but not a bone was broken. And then it also says that they would divide his garments and cast lots for his clothes. And that happened at the foot of the cross as Jesus died. And then Psalm 68 tells us that he would ascend on high. And that's exactly what happened at the ascension. The Bible, you see, is absolutely incredible. I hope you are just amazed at the Bible. And I believe none of these predictions about Jesus could have come true if he were not God's Messiah and Christ. And that brings us to our first point. And all the points that I'm going to make today start with the letter P, the letter P. And point one is prophesied. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was also prophesied. Would you read Zechariah 9, 9 with me if it appears on the screen? Rejoice greatly. Read it with me. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And now I'd like to read our scripture from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 17. And notice how this prophecy of Zechariah is fulfilled on Palm Sunday. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And here's the prophecy. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went 
and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, with others cutting branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children, here come the children, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? And he, went, and he left them and went to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. Friends, this is the word from God for us today. Well, today we join the Palm Sunday crowd. And we also cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us, Lord, save us now. And if we think about it at all, we realize how much we need to be saved. This week, I was listening to a a report, and they were talking about AI, artificial intelligence. Now, I'd never been afraid of artificial intelligence, but now they're trying to make me afraid of artificial intelligence. They're saying that artificial intelligence learns so quickly that it can take over in a short time, and it could even bring destruction to humanity. Now, I've got one more thing to worry about, including dictators who are all around the world trying to destroy us. And it's not just those things outside of us that try to destroy us. It's the things inside of us, too. Sometimes I look into my heart, and I know it's not so pure. And I know that if Jesus doesn't keep me from sinning, I can do some awful things, and sin can can enter my life and, and can destroy me. And there are evil people all around, and there are evil things that can happen. I hear about them all the time. And so I know. I I do need a Savior. I do need Jesus. Save me now, Lord. Save me now. But what we first see as Jesus enters into Jerusalem can be a a little disappointing, can't it? I mean, we want him to come as a warrior on a great horse to to destroy all of our enemies, to hit them with the sword, and they they can be gone, and, and, and we can be in charge of our lives again. But he doesn't come on a war horse. He comes on a donkey of peace. 
So obviously, he is not coming to kill and destroy our earthly enemies. And we know that this is because he comes, well, he comes to be betrayed. And he comes to be tried. And he comes to be crucified and to die to conquer our greatest enemy, our sins, which could separate us from God eternally. But that all comes later this week. Today, we're here for the parade the King's Parade. And I'd like to continue with four more words that also start with the letter P to help us to get the picture. First, we've had the word prophesied. It was prophesied and fulfilled. And point two is price. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy in spite of the price on his head. Jesus was a wanted man. Caiaphas, the chief priest, had declared Jesus should be killed. They had sworn that they would eliminate Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples he was going up to Jerusalem, and he told them why. He told them that he went to Jerusalem to die. And yet, in spite of knowing exactly what was going to happen to him, He set his face steadfastly for Jerusalem. Now, I thought about that. And if the disciples, if if the Jewish authorities had wanted to kill me and I still felt compelled to go to Jerusalem, I have some strategies to keep myself alive. I mean, I would slip in at night so that I would not be seen. I would take the back streets where where I'd be less likely to meet people. I might even wear a disguise. They'd never think I'd have long red hair. And I'd take the back streets and I'd be where, where people who I knew and trusted might be able to protect me if I got in trouble. But Jesus does not hide. He comes in a way that everybody can see him. He draws complete attention to himself. So the price on his head certainly reveals the tremendous courage of Jesus. And I wonder, how could Jesus be so courageous? And of course, the answer is because of his belief and his trust in his heavenly Father. Just before this, the Bible says that he, he knew he had come from God and was going to God. Say that with me. He knew he had come from God and was going to God. Friends, that's where we can get courage. We know that God gave us our lives. He had a purpose and a plan for us to be here on planet Earth. And as we turn our lives to him, and as we accept his guidance in our lives, we also can trust in him. And we know over and over in Scripture, it proclaims that he'll never leave us or forsake us. That even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, at that time too, he is going to be with us every step of the way. You see, Jesus had the courage of knowing that God was in control. God was sovereign. God was to be trusted. So may the price on his head encourage us to follow the Lord's good will, 
and to fear no man. And I know that sometimes fears are still going to get in our way, aren't they? They're still going to try to take over our lives. But at that time, may the Lord help us so that we will still be faithful even in spite of our fears and we will go on because we fear most of all missing the Lord's purpose for our lives. And nothing will stop us. Just like nothing stopped Jesus. So I must ask, how is your courage for living today? Maybe not too good? That can change, as it did for Corey Ten Boom during World War II. Corey and her family felt the love of God would have them befriend the Jews in Holland. The Nazis had taken over Holland. And they were trying to find the Jews and to destroy them. And so in order to protect their Jewish clients, Corey would go out to the countryside and she would get whatever they needed and she would bring it in for repair to the middle of the city where it would be very dangerous for them. And then she would bring it back out to them. And one time she was at a doctor friend and and family and she had just brought the things that, that they needed. And it it was revealed to her in her heart that at any moment, at any moment, there could be a knock on the door, and this whole fine family could be taken away, and, and they could be killed. Corey writes, at that moment, a prayer formed in my heart. Lord Jesus, I offer myself to your service in any way, any place, any time. That's where Corey's courage came from, from her commitment to God. Well, on Palm Sunday, Jesus courageously and openly offered himself for our service. And if any of us lack courage to follow him, ask the Lord of courage to give us courage too, to commit our lives to follow him no matter what. And then point three is planned, planned. Have you ever noticed that nothing good happens unless you make it happen? Have you ever realized that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing? It seems that weeds will grow in my garden without my doing anything at all. But if I want to have a real good garden, I've got to get to work. I've got to plan how to make it a good garden. Left alone, things don't evolve to get better. They get worse unless someone works and plans for good. And friends, are you not amazed? That's always what God is doing for you. He is always working and planning for your good. And he wants us then, when we commit our lives to him, to follow his example and to do good and to bear much fruit. Over and over again, the scriptures say we are to bear fruit. We are to be salt and light for the Lord himself. Jesus himself planned for the events today to happen. He even planned ahead for the donkey. He sent his disciples ahead to get the donkey and he said, if anyone objects... Just say, the Lord has need of him. I believe that was a key word 
that Jesus had sent ahead so that they would know that if someone came to get the donkey, they weren't ripping it off if they would say, the Lord has need of it. It was the password. In fact, Jesus planned the whole day. And we need to plan ways that our lives can bear good fruit. We can be salt and light as the Lord wants. So it's a good day to think about, what can I do? How can I plan my life that I can bear good things to others and bless others the way the Lord has blessed me? And then point four is purpose or Passover lamb. Purpose or Passover lamb. Jesus had a great purpose in coming on this particular day to show himself as our Passover lamb and as the lamb of God who was to be, to be sacrificed to take away the sins of the whole world. You see, Palm Sunday was the day when the lambs would be brought up to Jerusalem. They had to be brought up to Jerusalem. They had to stay in Jerusalem in the house where they would be eaten at Passover for three days, and then they could be slain, and then you could have your Passover feast with your family. And there had to be at least 10 people in each feast. Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that one year there was a census taken of the number of lambs that were slain for Passover. How many do you think would would have been slain for Passover in Jerusalem that year? Over a quarter million. 256,000. And 10 for each one. So that meant there were over two and a half million people who gathered in Jerusalem at Passover. A huge crowd. Well, imagine 256,000 lambs being driven into Norwalk today. That'd be quite a scene, wouldn't it? 256,000. Whenever Jesus entered Jerusalem, he, he must have entered amidst some shepherds driving lambs along all the way up into Jerusalem. And here's Jesus with them. And see the symbolism. The greatest lamb of God coming with them who is to take away the sins of the world. We're reminded of that first Passover You know, it first happened in Egypt when all the believing Jewish families sacrificed a lamb and then they put the blood on the doorframe so that when the angel of death came, it would pass over. That's where we get the word. It would pass over the the, the doors of those who were believers in God. Well, a few days after Jesus came into Jerusalem, amidst all of these lambs, The lambs were killed, just as Jesus himself was killed, thereby becoming the ultimate Passover lamb on the basis of whose shed blood the angel of spiritual death passes over all who place their trust in him. Never again would lambs have to be offered for the sins of the world because the lamb of God was offered for sins for all time, forever. But there yet remains a a critical question, doesn't there? Here it is. Is he our Passover lamb? Are we really trusting him as our personal savior from sin? If someone asked you, 
Why should God someday let you into his heaven? What, what would you answer? I hope you would not answer because I've been pretty good. I mean, I'm better than my neighbors and, and I'm better than a lot of people. So, so I believe that, that when God looks at me, he'll look and he'll say, wow, that's a good one. He deserves heaven. I would not dare try to enter on that basis. I know I'm not good. Not good enough. I'm not perfect, that's for sure. Well, would you answer, because Jesus' blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sins, and I'm, I'm now robed in the righteousness of Christ? That's what it'll be when we stand before the throne of God if we're believers. His, his sacrifice will have washed away our sins, and there we stand in the righteous robes of Christ himself. So we enter heaven because we trust in Jesus. Well, I believe Jesus very purposefully came as the Passover Lamb of God. And we must purposely plan our lives to do good and to fulfill God's good plans for us. Lead me, Lord, that I may live for you. And then point five is the people in the parade. That first Palm Sunday, the crowd was filled with a kind of mob hysteria. You see, news had gone out that Jesus had just brought a man up from, from the dead. He'd resurrected Lazarus in Bethany. And this Jesus, who, who raised the dead, was on his way to Jerusalem with a great crowd following him. And when news of that, that got into Jerusalem, the, the buzz went around, and a great crowd said, we want to see this guy who can raise the dead. And so a great crowd came out of the city of Jerusalem, and the two huge crowds surged together in a mass of humanity. But let's look more at the people. Where would we fit in? With that crowd. There were certainly those there who were just sightseeing people. They were the curious. Here was a man who, who they say can, can raise the dead. I, I've got to see this. He's a great sensation. I want to see this sensation of my time. And what a sensation Jesus would make. To this day, no one can compare with Jesus. He comes and he touches lepers and he heals them. No physicians anywhere are like that. And here's the man who raises the people from the dead. The undertakers can be put out of business if Jesus is in charge. And here's the man who, who calms the oceans. It may be a typhoon, it doesn't matter. He says, peace be still and, and the waves drop. No weatherman can control the weather. They have hard enough time predicting what it might be, and he controls the weather. And here's the man who takes a couple of biscuits and some fish, and he feeds thousands. And he collects 12 times more than 12 baskets full, more than he started with, so that they don't even know what to do with what's left over. He can handle our food problems. Sensation of all times. But, Here's the problem. Sensations never last. I'm old enough to remember the men walking on the moon. And after they finished walking on the moon, there were great parades for these men in all the great cities of the United States. And everybody was clamoring to see these men who'd walked on the moon. Today, if I ask young people, who was it who walked on the moon those years ago? They don't know. And they don't care. 
because sensations alone never last. And in, in the crowd, there were also people who were greeting Jesus as conqueror. In fact, that's the predominant atmosphere of the whole scene. They greeted him with the words, Hosanna, blessed is he who is coming in the name of the Lord. And the word Hosanna is the Hebrew word for save now. And the shout of the people was almost precisely the shout, God save the king. But they would soon be disillusioned too because they wanted an earthly king to save them in that little spot of Palestine right now, right here in this place and time to save me from my enemies. But Jesus was so much more than that. He didn't come for this little spot in Palestine at that time on Palm Sunday. He came to be king of kings for the whole world, to save the whole world. So they would soon be disappointed because they wanted a king who would be exactly what they wanted him to do. To do what, he, what he, he, they thought he would do was to, to save them from their earthly enemies. But he was so much more, and they would soon be saying, we don't want that king. He doesn't meet our needs. And so Jesus would get rejected. And I'm sure that in the crowd there were people who were really searching. Maybe there are some of you today who are really searching. Is there any truth to this Christianity stuff? Can I, can I really believe that? You're looking for something to believe in. Something more lasting than just fleeting pleasures and, and possessions and something that will make life worth living. And now in the crowd, they're seeing Jesus. And they're hoping that he might be the one. He might be the one to make the permanent difference in their lives, to give us a truly satisfying way to live. And friends, I assure you today, if you'll come to Jesus with an open mind, not with the negativity of the scribes and Pharisees, but an open mind, you will find Jesus is most appealing. Jesus' teachings are most persuasive. Scripture says no man ever, never in all of history spoke like this man. His teachings are, are so wonderful. His love is all-inclusive. His wisdom and direction for life are so profound. The evidence that he's the son of God is so overwhelming if you look it over. So if you're searching, come and see. Jesus really is the Messiah. And finally in the crowd, there were those who were Jesus' loyal followers. And I like to think that's where we are. At that time, loyal followers. One of them even said plainly, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. One time, many in the crowd had, had quit following Jesus, and Jesus sees all these people who are quitting on him, and he, he turns to the disciples, and he says, uh, are you going to leave too? And you know what they answered? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That was their conviction. And that's our conviction, too. Oh, they still didn't understand everything. They still weren't going to make the right decisions. They were still going to make mistakes. They were still going to fail. But they were the convinced. They'd found Jesus' life to be the only satisfying way to live. They'd found Jesus really is 
the Savior, the Son of God, and they therefore dedicated their lives to living for him forever. Friends, if we're in that crowd and we are still not convinced, we're still in danger, aren't we? If we're not the convinced, we can be drawn away to that other crowd too, can't we? That other crowd, which will soon be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. There's only one way to be sure that won't happen. We must crown him the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. At her coronation in Westminster Abbey, the young Queen Victoria was told that when the choir sang the hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah, that she would not be expected to stand. They said that she's the queen, and this is her right to stay seated on the throne even when all the others would stand. She was partly convinced, and she finally agreed. However, as the music began, those standing near her felt that she was rather uncomfortable at the point where everybody stood and and she stayed sitting on her throne. And, And when the choir finally reached the part about Christ being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, she was perceptibly moved. And people thought, you know what? She's going to stand after all. And finally, the choir reached the climax of the great oratorio. And they sang of Christ's reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And she could sit no longer. She stood up and she took the crown off of her head. And she held it in her hands. And she bowed before him who was her Lord and her Savior. I pray that on Palm Sunday, we may be impacted like that. May we also offer our lives to him again as he comes, reaffirming we're going to follow Jesus. We'll follow him on through the trial and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension. And then we'll know him forever of kings. May it be so for each of us. Hosanna. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we dedicate ourselves anew to you this Palm Sunday. We invite you into our lives and into our hearts. We desire to follow you forever and forever. Increase our commitment and our love that nothing may ever separate us from your love. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.